Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Hi, everyone. It's Chatting with Nat, and it's me, Natalie Nat. We're in French, Natalie Jean. All right, today we have Americana Soul Jam Band Sugar Lime Blue, but we, who we actually have is Ashley Beth from the band. Sugar Lime Blue is the premier Americana soul jam band rising up from Nashville, Tennessee. The band pulls from several genres, including blues, country, rock, and jazz, to create truly eclectic sound. Wow, I was able to say that word. Performing nearly a thousand shows over the past decade in the Southeast, Sugar Lime Blue has seen international exposure with acknowledgement from dozens of press outlets hundreds of radio stations, and a growing grassroots fan base from their weekly online performance, the Sunday Shoutout. So let's give her a round of applause. (laughs) Hi, Ashley. How are you? Hi, Ms. Natalie. I'm doing great. How about you? Mm, I'm still here living amongst Amongst the people, <laughs> should I say? It's, been, it's been it's been crazy. Um, it's been crazy. So, how have you been during these? You know, I mean, how do I put it? Let me see how I can put it. Uh, George Floyd, elections, um, mm. pandemic, mm. COVID had mm. some babies. Polio tried to make a comeback. Monkeypox, yeah. the flu, yeah. Wade, tsunamis, assassinations, racism, Fire, hate, love, all kinds of different things, cicadas, all kinds of things going on in the world. How have you been? Oh, well, to address each individual thing, I think might take our entire allotted time. Okay. Right? It's, right? I hear you. So, I feel much like you. Hey, I'm still breathing. Uh, that's fantastic. It's fantastic. So, um, like, I have to check in emotionally from time to time and, and make sure that that's, that heart is still beating. Uh, but my physical one's still going, so it's a good day. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I mean, whenever yeah. we can just wake up and breathe, I think we're actually yeah. having a good day. And then sometimes Absolutely. we turn on, we turn on the internet or go on our phone and we're like, oh, <laughs> oh, we're, oh, we're still, oh, is that is that what's still going on in the world? Okay, let let me move yeah. on from that. Um, do, you, do you ever ponder? Do you ever ponder if it is truly more negative, or is that we're so connected to each other through outlets like social media that we're just more aware of the negative things um, because our brains move to negative things like magnets. We don't move to positive things, unfortunately, yeah. like a magnet. We just cling I, on to it. I agree with you 100%. Um, so I think, yeah, whenever we're – okay, so I'll just give you an example. So a lot of times when I have time, I used to have more time, I would go on yahoo.com and read all the news, and it would be all negative. And and, and, yeah. and I'm surprised that people are just not, I mean, it was like, this person killed this person, this person died, this accident, more shootings, this, that, and the other. It was all the stuff that I was reading, because I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so shocked that the world is like this, even though that I know there's mm. another side, a loving, compassionate side. Um, yeah. But I would, I, I, I read that every, well, I stopped reading it, kind of, but I dabble in it every now and I can't, I can't lie that. <laughs> Okay, I'd look at it. But, you know, uh, um, there's some time, what I do sometimes is, you know, I'll look at Facebook Reels or I actually look at t- TikTok. TikTok for me is like the devil because I'll say, oh, I'm just going to look look at a few videos. Oh, no. and an hour, hour later. The an black hour hole. Later, yeah. I'm like, okay, you need to stop. <laughs> 
Um, preach it, my girl. I am with you. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I try to find some things that are funny. Um, I love animal videos. You know, I'm like, oh my god, you know, um, or videos with babies in it and stuff like little kids doing stuff. So, but I do agree with you that our mind tends to go towards the negative. But I also believe uh, that's because that's what we've seen so much of in the past three years. It's just been constant. Not even past three years. Let's say say past five, six, seven years has just been constant, constant negativity. And so we gravitate to that and read that crap. And then it'll get into our system, and then we dream about it at night. So I try to yeah. balance things out. <laughs> I read, I read the negative the things, right? You know yeah. what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's um, or at night before I go to, I like I have insomnia, but before I go to bed at night, I tr- always try to watch something funny. Like I, I've I've seen yeah. every episode of The Golden Girls. I've seen every episode of Frasier. Then I turn to Cheers. Oh. I yeah. I watch all that stuff. Yeah, I try to. Um, it's, I, it, we've done similarly. Yeah. You, you make a good point. Yeah, that's <laughs> a valid. Yeah. Well, I I do know like I know like a lot of those news outlets too that they they have found that their capital comes from putting out well, it used to be print but putting out the negative stories because our right. brains do gravitate toward it. The the positive stories get pushed down and down and down. Right. Right. So that they're on the last page of the newspaper, if if I can reference such an archaic thing as a newspaper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Uh, what is that thing? Is that, a, is that an artifact, a paper form thing that you can find them in the museum? About the place, you know. Oh my gosh! Yes, I remember that back in the day, back in two thousand, in the two thousands, when there was a thing called paper. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, yeah, you know, we are, you know, it's good that you bring this up because the other day I was thinking to myself, people don't even look up anymore. People are always on their cell phones. I watch people all the time. Even when I go to restaurants and I'm with somebody else, I'm, I'm constantly watching couples or, you know, I don't know if they're family members sitting across from each other and they have their cell phones in their hands and they're just on their cell phone. It is yeah. disturbing how we <laughs> have come to this point mm-hmm. that we can't sit mm-hmm. to, to eat without having to look at the cell phone. What's, what's, so, phone. Important? what's so important? Yeah. Why can't we just take an what? hour um, out of our time, not, and we're right? going yeah. to be present. We are going to be present. Yeah, yeah I don't. Yeah. I agree with you. I think it all goes back to our brain wiring, though, because we mm-hmm. are wired to hunt dopamine and serotonin. Right. And if you watch some of these documentaries about Facebook and Twitter and things like that, the those social media addictions are very right. real inside of our brains. Is we want those dopamine bumps from the likes that we're getting from a post that we made or somebody liking our picture. Even the right. negative comments cause our brain to engage. Like we're still, we want to fight then. Like, so we're right. engaging right. our brain in a different, like, it's almost like a, like a faux world where we are engaging in truly a, a, false reality like somebody hitting a like button they I can tell you now like I will hit a like button without truly thinking what is going to happen on the other end of that like button for that right right I'm not thinking about their serotonin when I smile at somebody I'm making eye contact and I'm conversing and I'm actually thinking about how my facial features will affect that other person, whether it's a cashier or my, my meal mate or whatever, I'm thinking about that relationship. Whereas it's this false, false sense of that, that we're getting from our social media. It's not all bad. It's right. It's not, I don't think it's malicious, but it's our brains working against our actual lives. And it seems just so backwards. I, I, I agree with you a hundred. I'm, I'm with you. Um, on that is, is it so very I think you true. have to consciously 
fight against that and understand the the chemistry that your brain is creating for itself and like stave off that addiction and actually engage in real conversation. And it's not that you have to be completely off of any kind of social media, anything. Right. It's Like I said, it's not malicious in and of itself, but our reactions to them can be mm. really devastating real life right. interactions. Yeah. No, you're a hundred percent right. hundred percent. Now, one of the questions I like to ask is this. <clears throat> I'll give you a little story here. Obviously, as we were talking about it, the past three years have been kind of cray-cray. Um, yeah. people, people have died, uh, lost limbs. Yeah. Many people have lost friends and family members. But there's a flip side to that. There have been positive things that have occurred in the past three mm-hmm. years. Now, mm-hmm. um, and I always, I always talk about this, but, you know, there, there, there were more family members walking outside with their kids and stuff during the pandemic when we all had to stay inside, which is not something that should be weird, but yeah. it was weird because people are usually it's fast. Rediscovered. Yeah, people rediscovered their love of family. Exactly. You know, I had a colleague yeah. that, that said, oh, my God, I was working too much. I had to cut back on hours. So that mm-hmm. in itself was a beautiful thing. Then you had the whole climate yeah. change. God, the animals were running in the trees. Mother Nature was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is so great. I hope they don't come yeah. back. Because the pollution level went down. Then I yeah. read many articles about people quitting their jobs. Why? Because what the pandemic did, it made people realize that life was short. And so they realized, I need to do what makes me happy. I need to make money, but I need to be happy Mm -hmm. walking into work. I don't want to be miserable anymore. I need to do my thing. There were a lot of articles on that. And then there were people like you and I that decided to, you know, artists that decided to, you know, release a single, track, album. Mm-hmm. Some people decided to rebrand. Some people decided, oh, I'm not doing this music or anything anymore. So there, yeah. was, what I'm get at is there was a lot of self-introspection that was going on a in the world. Shift. Yeah. 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 A, big, a big shift happened. happened. So during this time, did you, you know, self-introspect? Did you decide to change anything? Are you okay where you are as a person? In, in your in your music career, what did you think about? So this is a um, this is a long answer because okay. there's no short one. So okay. uh, the pandemic started breaking in the very beginning of 2020. You know, like right. January, we started hearing hearing things about it. And in February, the day before his birthday, our dear friend and bassist of a decade passed mm. away. Oh. Right, right before the the lockdowns and become before it became a global pandemic. You heard right. whispers about it, but we're talking right. about lockdowns or masks or people dying in droves. You know that wasn't on right. the cut. We were on the cusp of that when he passed away, yeah. and so we had a couple of shows that we. Uh, this beautiful human decided to come in and he, he learned the bits that um, our bassist name was Russ. He learned Russ's parts and helped us fulfill our agreements to do these shows that we had on the book because we knew that's what we needed to do. Music is our therapy and music is our great life, you know, so to not do it felt completely wrong. Russ would not have wanted that. We didn't want it. So um, this lovely human came in and took over the spot, helped us finish out that tour that we were doing and when we got back from that, there was a lockdown. And mm. so we were forced out of music for a grieving period. So I've struggled with, is it a benefit? Mm. Was it a benefit for us in order to grieve that huge loss? It was a huge void he left. and Or was it, like, detrimental because music is our therapy and it's the way that right. we work through things? And because the wheels kind of screeched to a halt on the whole everybody everywhere, we did grieve deeply. And I will say that we went into this hibernative period of creativity. I didn't feel released to do anything creative. I just felt sad. Just Mm -hmm. this deep loss and just so sad. And then with everything going on in the world around me, Literally, we had a tornado go over our house that next month. It, oh. it uh, 
tour off my barn. We have a, a little, like, seven-acre little mini farm here. It tore the roof off the barn. We had to get a new roof on our house, had to replace siding. Like, luckily, we were able to stay in our house, but right. one of our neighbors down the road lost their life. It was right here. And, like, we had pandemic, my best, one of our best friends dying, followed by a really near-death experience with this tornado. Oh and it, it did make us reflective. But right. the beautiful thing about passing and all those things is nothing was left unsaid. My family are really good about saying what they feel in the moment right. and expressing our love and gratitude for each moment that we have. And so I feel like we, we worked through that. My husband, uh, he finished out our home studio during that time. So he was able to put his, uh, put some wheels on his grief a little bit. Right. Me, I just, didn't I just didn't I let myself just be sad and work through that and not push on any creativity and the the other beautiful thing about that whole thing is this recent release that we have the Blackbird Sessions right those were the last recordings that Russ made before he passed away Mm. so we for for all of our effort, we tried, I couldn't listen to them for two of those last three years because it was painful to hear him right. play. And it was, it was just devastating. And so when my husband Dave started getting back into it at first, it was really hard for me, but we knew that we needed to put a close for that chapter. We've since gotten right. a fantastic new basis. And he's actually, he did uh, one of the tracks that was, is on the album because there was a track that Russ had expressly said, I don't like this. I want to mm. scrap the whole thing start over. And so we could in good conscience put that out into the world, even right. though it's sort of a legacy because we knew he hated it <laughs> so we had we had our new bases come in and uh just kind of recreate the whole thing there and he gave it a great flavor good nods to us and we this is kind of the closing turning of a page for right. us so it's been really cathartic working through the you know doing the overdubs and the things the the technical side of things that needed to get done to finish up that project so, um, but we spent just a whole lot of that time just being sad. <laughs> I, I mean, just working through grief and figuring out what it looked like moving forward. Because we did have the question, without him, do we want to keep going? And the answer was yes. Like, even on day one, like, we knew we wanted to keep making music, but it was painful. And then we weren't allowed to. <laughs> right? for a while <laughs> yeah we just thought, we heard about all these artists like I'm releasing three records in a year because of all this right. time and I'm like I I don't have that in me I just cry every time I sit down to make words I like it I'm I'm just sad I'm just gonna yeah. let myself I so yeah that's what we did <laughs> I, I, well, I completely understand it I mean you know during the pandemic was um let me see. I got COVID. I got COVID in the first <laughs> first stretch in twenty twenty. Like December. the first wave of it, yeah. Yeah, the first stretch. The first wave. That was the word I was looking for. In mm-hmm. December of twenty twenty. And um <laughs> I got it let me see, December sixteenth, then then my cat passed away. I had to put my cat down. I'm sorry. And uh, and thank you. And I had a cat for eight years. Yes, it's the worst thing when I had to put him. So then, the same day that my cat died, which was on my cat died on November of 18, a friend passed away on the same day. I was just like, okay, um, uh, what's going on here? I was like, now we can't take much more. Of yeah, the, it's so heavy. It's just yeah, so it's heavy. heavy. It's very heavy. It was very heavy. But just like you, um, when the when we were on lockdown and all that stuff, I am. I I wasn't motivated to write. I wasn't motivated to do anything no. in regards to music whatsoever. It was like the following year. I was like, you know, you need to get off your ass. You need to do something. Um, write a song. Do something. Um, and I <laughs> then yeah. I lost. 
lost my mind and released seven singles back to back. So, um, oh my like, goodness, why did you make that an album? Yeah, well, they were like, why didn't you make that an album? I'm like, they don't go together. They're all some something different. But yeah, now, uh, yeah. now like, promoting seven different things at this. Oh yeah, uh, lesson learned. Yeah, that's work. That's a lot of work. Yeah, but I, I, I understand. Like you, you become so numb, especially during a phase where you're just locked down and you can't see your friends. One of the things I learned. Um, and I think a lot of people learn this through the pandemic is that people need physical touch. It, yeah. It's if you're an extrovert and you had to live like that, you learn that uh, quite deeply. People need people mm-hmm. um, in their mm-hmm. lives. It's not to look at somebody through a screen. <laughs> um, yeah, that so, doesn't cut it. No, it definitely uh, does not cut it whatsoever. Now, what was it about music that you said, okay, Ashley has to do music? Did you come out the womb, a star, <laughs> you know, or was it something no. that you heard, you saw? What was it? What, how, did, how and why did you gravitate to music? Uh, my husband had a lot to do with it, a okay. lot. Um, <laughs> I've always loved music, so... Again, I only have long answers. You ask me questions <laughs> with long answers, my girl. So uh, I was raised. I was raised in the Church of Christ, which doesn't use any instrument, uh, any instrumentation. So it's just vocalization. Mm. And it's if you've never been, like I, I recommend. I don't. It doesn't matter if you're religious or not. Just to go to listen. There's mm-hmm. something really haunting about like a five part harmony for every song and it it genuinely doesn't matter if everybody's singing in key or not especially if you have a large congregation it's just beautiful and you feel that that vocal vibration all around you in your I mean in your core you feel it you know what it's like when you're singing with somebody and that harmony is perfect it's like that reverberating around you and Mm -hmm. if if you are are a believer and you put that together with that it's just really moving it can be very moving so I was raised surrounded by vocalization, and uh, my mother and I lived in Texas and while my whole family was in Kentucky. So anytime okay. we made a trip, it was a 12-hour drive, and she was often driving after she had worked a double day, you know, and it was, she was exhausted. So we would turn the music way up loud and sing to stay awake. So, like, I was just surrounded by music, different, uh, usually like an easy listening kind of a thing, but wasn't super into a performance style. Um, mm. So I choir when I was in middle school, and I enjoyed that a lot. I liked the solos and everything. They did, it didn't make me nervous. It didn't bother me. I mean, right. like a little bit if my peers were in the crowd, you know, but if it was parents, right. forget about it. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I liked it, but I never considered it. And uh, one of my friends that I work with ha- had gone to work at Guitar Center and was like, hey, you should come meet these guys that are looking for a female vocalist for just a couple songs with their band. And I'm like, that's not what I do. And he was right. like, oh, I've heard you sing. Come out and meet these guys. And so I went and met them. And uh, one was the the bassist in this little like cover band, and the other was right. the guitarist, which turned out to be my future husband. And uh, I I thought he was really cute. And um, <laughs> we we hit it off, you know, as as friends. And he was right. he taught me a lot about performance because when I auditioned with them quite honestly Natalie it was terrible it was just terrible (laughs) I I think the only the only reason I got into the band was because the bassist was trying to set me and Dave up (laughs) (laughs) well it worked yeah it had nothing to do with vocal prowess or like (laughs) like fitting into the genre they were doing or anything so I was super mousy about singing and and really wanted to sing more of a soprano thing when truly I have a lower pitched voice. And uh, both Dave and my stepdad said, you have to learn to like the sound of your own voice. And I was right. like, but, but why? You're <laughs> <laughs> like, why do I need to do that? <laughs> I don't want to. And uh, 
so Dave and I started writing music together and it just gelled. It just like, it felt great. And, um, he, he wasn't, he didn't want to sing and he wasn't like much of a singer at the time. And he was like, you just sing it. It sounds good when you sing it, you just sing it. And so I, by default kind of became the front woman for the little band that he put together there. And I was like, I guess so. And, uh, when we moved to Nashville, uh, we started up this project. We just needed a name for it. We threw a name on it, and we just started playing out just he and I. And it slowly grew. We slowly grew our song catalog of things that we right. had written. And like, you know, when you know, as a songwriter, when you write a song that's a good song, mm-hmm. like you feel. Like, you need to serve it. Like, this deserves to be heard, and nobody's going to hear it if I'm not putting it out there. So I kind of felt like like I had been gifted these beautiful lyrics and melody and and this fantastic guitar player by my side, and these songs weren't going to get out. These little baby songs weren't going to grow up to be grown-up songs unless I took them out to the world. And so I felt like more like that was my calling to present these, this beautiful gift from the universe to the other people that happen to be living in my timeline with me. Like just taking that out there to them and going, Hey, this is good. You should hear it. It's like, like a good meal. Hey, this is a good bite. Have a bite. I want you to, I want you to taste it too. Yeah, it's that that same sort of thing, but with a a musical lilt to it. So that was more my calling. It happened over time, and because um, of my bond with my husband, that he it is his great love and passion, and it has grown into my great love and passion. It wasn't to begin with, but it's grown into it. So yeah, like I can't imagine my life without making music, even if I was just like a studio mouse. Right. I can't imagine not doing it though. I'm sure you feel yeah. the same. Like yeah. music is infused now. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I grew up. My father's a singer. Um, my family's from Haiti, but I was born here, and like this famous Haitian singer. And um, he used to sing around the house all the time. But I never thought I'd be, I'd be in the music industry. I was way too shy. Way too shy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, after college, I moved to New York and. I started writing spiritual poetry and then my parents were like, Oh, you should turn some of those into songs. And I did a demo and released it out into the internet universe. And the now defunct tape music group found me and we did an album and then I left them because obviously they weren't doing what they were supposed to. And the rest is history. It happens too often. Yeah. Yeah. So I completely understand. Yeah. I mean, music for me has been my saving grace. Yeah, everything. Um, you know, I always tell everybody that I interview that music is our superpower because it has the power to move mountains. It has the power to heal. It just has the power to make people happy. It also has. It does. It, it gives the people the power just to, you know, just to release whatever emotion they want to release. So yeah, you know what I mean. It's just it's just, it's super powerful. Super powerful. Um, I do. I feel like I feel like the like we're finding out that the world is more neurodivergent than we originally thought, and right. a lot of people have a hard time feeling their feelings. And That's I feel like music is a jump start to a lot of that kind of cathartic therapy for people who are neurodivergent. Like it kind of it it begins the feels because you're you're not in them yourself. You're listening as a third person, and then all of a sudden right. you find yourself being pathetic, and you're you then it's you this is your song now <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so powerful i agree with you 100 percent. 100 so i am we're going to play one of your songs now i want okay. to play burn it burn it down tell me what that's about burn it <laughs> burn it okay so the inspiration from it is is different. You know how sometimes you get inspired by something and then it morphs into yeah. something completely different. So when we first came to look at our house that we live in now, um, there were two homes on the property. One was a rental home and one would be our residence. And uh, the first time we came to look at the property, we couldn't look at the rental home 
because the that the rental person worked the third shift and we had to secure that time frame and all this blah blah blah. Anyway, so we did that and we were going to come back and look at that property and we get a call from the real estate agent that says, "So do you still want to go look at that property?" And we're like, "Yeah, why? What's up?" And he said, "Well, the house is on fire right now." And we're like, "What?" what? <laughs> And we said, but which house? And he's like, yeah, that rental property, it's, it's on fire right now. And we're like, well, let's go see what it looks like. So we came out, and sure enough, I mean, it was gone, just gone. They had caution tape around everywhere. It was still smoldering. And we were like, oh, okay, which in the end, it turned out to be an okay thing for us because the bank Sometimes they don't like to give a loan if there's two two homes on the property because right. they don't think it's a – I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but the bank thinks it's, it doesn't make sense to have two homes on the property. So it turned out to be okay because we were able to secure our loan, but I felt really bad that this woman was out of her house, you know, when we came to look at it. So uh, Dave was like, yeah, just take the house and burn it down, I guess. And we're like, hey – so let's write that. And so it turned into more of a um, a railing against the socialization, socializing the normality of greed mm. is more what it turned into because we're, um, I mean, I was anyway. I don't want to just blanket statement everybody. Yeah. I know in the society that I've witnessed over the last few decades from the time I was a teenager to current time that, that, it seems that greed is uh, looked on favorably, like getting the more is always the better. And I think like you were, like we were talking about the pandemic has yeah. created this kind of void where people had to look in and be introspective and figure out what really matters. Well, being a corporate show, probably it's not the thing that your life was purposed for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? it's just not and being being greedy and just constantly going after more for what it's exactly. just like for what and somebody's on the other end of that not reaping a benefit and maybe being hurt by it because somebody is having to lift up whomever's on top so <laughs> it's it's not it's not a railing against wealth or people that have money that's that's not the point it's normalizing like having a social norm of greed being rewarded that's what it's against and it's kind of like well you know what let's tear that down let's burn that idea down and start from scratch let's rake those ashes into the dirt and make something new because it doesn't work it doesn't even work for the majority it exactly. doesn't work so that's the thought but okay. it started out with a house literally burning down. <laughs> well, I'm sorry for the house burning down, but hey, you got something out of it. At least you it got happens. something out of it. Let's, let's yeah. go ahead and say it.
love it. Um, Thank you. You definitely it's so much have fun to play live. I'm sure. I mean, I. Yeah. I just I love the song. Too bad the house burned down, but um, yeah. like I said, song out of it. Um, I love your voice. I love your voice because it's definitely very soulful Americana. Um, I do Americana too. Um, I'm multi-genre, but I focus on Americana. I love the, you know, the storytelling, singer-songwriter, or folky kind of thing mm-hmm. that you can do with Americana. Yeah. Now, yeah, how we don't. I don't consider that we fit into a genre very well. Like okay. Americana is kind of a catch-all for all of us that kind of hang right. out on the rim of a genre. Right. <laughs> I completely so, understand. Like, some of our songs. Yeah, like some of this, I don't want to be in just one genre. Like, I like a lot of different music. I want the freedom to be able to write whatever inspires me or whatever I'm feeling in that moment without feeling like it is not serving the genre. I want to serve the song, not the genre. So, like, we've got country-inspired music, very rocky music, very blues-infused music. So, like, some with tinges of jazz, even. Like, I don't, I just don't want to be pigeonholed into a specific genre yeah I'm with you on that one I've always been I I, I was like why can't you know why can't I just create music why do I have to pigeonhole right? I, I went somewhere and somebody said well, what's your genre I said I'm multi-genre no he's like what's your genre I said I'm multi-genre he said no what is your genre you should have one specific I said why I said you don't you don't you don't sell an artist that that paints or draws yeah so why do you want right. to put me in a box? I should be able to, I'm an what? artist and create. End of story. I take you it back to food again. Yeah. yeah. I take it back to food. Like, do you want, I don't know, one kind of cereal for your whole entire rest it's of your life? That's life. all you get to eat. That's it. That's all. Pick it. You got yeah. some Apple Jacks? That's it for you. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. No, I, I totally agree. 100%. 100%. How, how important is it for you to be authentic as a person and in your music? Uh, I would say extremely important, like 10 out of 10 for me. I just, um, you know, like once you graduate high school and recognize that really it's more like you want to create the person that you are so that you're happy within your skin versus to appease your peers, like you kind of want to do, you know, for clicks and to to make sure you don't get beat up or whatever in high school. Right. once you get past that that phase, like why why be inauthentic? And it's hard to kind of break down those the socialization structure. But I think once you get past it, you can't go back. And, and it goes back to the genre. Like don't I don't I don't want to be in a one specific genre because that does feel inauthentic. That's not the color paint I chose today. That's not the kind of cereal I want to eat. I'm gonna do what makes me happy. And if other people want to come along, fantastic. That's right. Amen to that, sister. Amen to that. <laughs> now, um, your song, which I'm going to play next, Hello October, um, yes. has done fairly well on... Um, My sweet little what? Hello October song. My surprise song. <laughs> You're surprised. Yeah, aren't there songs like, you're like, oh, okay. And then it's the one that everybody loves. Isn't that crazy? It is one that that is one of those songs that is was hidden in my heart. It was one of my little gems, and I'm like, okay, this is a sweet little song. I don't again being authentic. I don't care if it goes over well or not. It's for my soul. That's right. Know that I'm listening to it. (laughs) Preach. And I knew knew my mom was gonna like it. So cool. That's good. We're good. But yeah, evidently a lot of people like it too. Oh Mike, I love it, love it, love it, love it. Now, let's play it. Everybody needs to hear why this song is with as young people to the shiznit. Let's play it. <laughs>
it's, it's an uncomfortable position to be in as an artist that has to wear so many hats. Like, you have to be your own booking agent. You have to yeah. promote yourself. You you have to say something about your tip jar or how to get to your website. And really, as me as an artist, all I want to do is make my music. Right. I, I, like, my point B for me, like making it for me, is for me to play my music to people that want to listen to my music. It's not right. booking. It's not an email right. list. It's not all the peripheral stuff. I have less than zero interest in that. But in order to get me to point B, which is playing my music for people that want to listen to my music, right. all those things are important. Right. And I like we are the only ones as artists who are going to be a hundred percent on our own team a hundred percent of the time. Amen. And they, it, you, you have to do it. If you want to go somewhere, you have to do it. And you, I guess like doing a little more research on the front end of that, rather than mm-hmm. learning by trial and error would have been beneficial. Right. I mean, to a younger artist. For me, it's like, um, what is it? You know, one of the biggest things is, I wish I had known how much work this involved. So, because here's the thing. Back in the day, people could go into a radio station and say, okay, here's my little 45 single. Can you play it? And they would play it. Now it's pay to play. Now it's pay to play or you have to kill if yourself clearly on yeah. social media so when you're thinking yeah. about creating a song if you care about these things you have to say oh my gosh yeah. will this work on all these platforms it is a yeah. totally different ball game when re- yeah. if people are interested in being signed on a label they're not necessarily looking at if you can sing they're looking at your engagement mm-hmm. how many streams yep. do you have on spotify What's your social media yeah. like? Are you working hard at what you're doing? This is what they're looking mm-hmm. at. It kind of doesn't yeah. matter if you're getting a lick or not. It really don't, nope. doesn't. So the game is totally different, yeah. and you have to be on all these platforms. TikTok was like, oh, you should yeah. do five videos a day. Who has time to do five things. videos a day? And what am I going to talk? Well, I, I tried it. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I tried it. And for a while there, I was succeeding because I had something to say. But it is not <laughs> easy to get on TikTok with five videos of something different no. that's going to, you know, entertain or enlighten or whatever uh, the math is well, out there. That, I think part of that, too, is you as an artist, like, I – I do anyway. I I don't want to speak to somebody else's truth, but it's like for me, I have a well of creativity that I choose to tap into for certain mediums. I want to tap into my well of creativity for music and for performance of that music and for uh, perhaps some watercolor painting because I want to learn how to do that or um, meal preparation because I very much enjoy to cook, you know, but there are, that creative well will run dry if I tap it too much. And so without a team surrounding you going, how about this idea? How about this idea? All we need you to do is just put on this silly hat and, and, you know, like run the hose this direction or whatever. Like what? (laughs) It just runs me dry. (laughs) Exactly. You, you get it. You you get it. You understand it. It's yeah, that's exhausting. It's completely exhausting, and you're just like, okay, let me take a break. And and there are days like I I just you know I just don't have time for this, that, and the other. And so you have to organize yourself. It's just the other thing was for yeah. me was um how many scam artists there are. Like I it's almost oh. like people have a radar. They see the new people coming out, and they're like, oh, I'm gonna scam them out of money. <laughs> It's just uh, absolutely well here in Nashville. It's like this this town. I don't know if it's the same in New York. Here in Nashville, it's like a a young musician's uh, machine. I can't think of any other way to say it. And it's gotten better over the last decade or so. I will say that there, um, the older musicians did not put up with it too much for a while. But it is 
one of those towns where these young artists come in to quote unquote make it. And right. so because they want to be seen by people who they think can do something for them, they go and they undercut themselves and they will go play these gigs for free and uh, set a new precedent for that venue and basically right. undercut every other artist that comes behind them and also devalue their art. Because right. in my opinion, I've put time and effort and energy in my creative emotional output into my art. My CDs are worth, they have value. My uh, other merchandise has value. My performance has value. And to undervalue myself is undermining my art. And so that would be authentic for me to go in. Now we will go. I'll I'll say this with the, there's nuance there. I'm happy to go play a, a free gig for like Relay for Life that's like a benefit for mm-hmm. something that I believe in, or for a women's shelter, some sort of benefit like that. A hundred percent, I'm there. Um, but to go into a venue that is making money off of your entertainment mm-hmm. and any reciprocation for that is undercutting your value as an artist, in my opinion. And this town is is right for it because everybody thinks that the next big thing is going to get discovered at Jim Bob's bar. And I'm like, you know what? Those people that might discover you, they're at home having dinner right now. Oh my guy. <laughs> they're Jim not there to Bob. see you. Jim, Bob. <laughs> Jim Bob's bar. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. And today it's funny. I was thinking about something. I was like, you know, what would be great is to be able to create something where, just like when somebody draws um, or paints, that people would look at music as art rather to criticize every darn thing about it. Let the artist be the artist. Yeah. You know, if you like it, play it. You don't, don't play it. Why can't yep. we have medium? And I think that with the the new creation of NFTs, they're trying to do something like that. It's like it's art that you can keep Um, because I have a music publisher manager and she says that's what she wants to start doing with my music is create NFTs with it, which I think is is the the great way to go because Mm -hmm. I, I want to start this movement that if you're an artist, you sing, da, 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 why follow these rigid ways of doing things? You know, just the other day, and I do country music, and I was just like, you know, country music, they want you to rhyme. But I'm like, why? Isn't, yeah. the, point to yeah. tell Isn't the point to tell a story, though? So why are things so, uh, such a stickler for that format and you know in jazz yeah. my god jazz is my actually first love and they're they're very much like form they oh it has to be the why music evolves over time so that's why i Agreed. think the thing where people view music as art artwork this is my artwork this is my vocalization this is, this is you know put it in a picture i don't know what it is, but art <laughs> Instead of, yeah. oh, no, you didn't do that right, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's annoying. Well, art, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Like, it's so subjective. And the music listener, like, we we have adopted this kind of philosophy that our audience members are a mu- as much as part of the music as we mm. are as performers. Because without them, why? You know, like, it, they're, it's like a circular thing that I know you get from, from – you understand from playing a live show that the energy that the audience gives off, you like yeah. suck that in and get right back to them. And then they give you more. And it's like this beautiful cycle of energy going between you. And like mm-hmm. some of the best shows come out of that kind of, of audience cycle. But if there are, like we were talking about earlier, if everybody's just on their phone and they're not giving you any of their energy, right. it's not that you can't muster it. You can still muster a hell of a show. But right. it's different. Yeah. It's different yeah. Yeah. the audience participates. Different. When yeah. we go play at a listening room that's there for music, mm-hmm. it's it's always an amazing show. You can just expect an amazing show because they are there with the expectation of liking you. 
Right. They're there wanting to like you. They will find something to latch on to because they have sacrificed their evening to come see you. And if you're playing to a bunch of people on their on their devices that aren't paying attention to you, well, I mean, they you're you're their jukebox. You can still That's give a hell of a show. You are their jukebox. That's right. That's right. And that's why I um, I refuse to perform at places that have televisions or anything like mm-hmm. that. I'm going to, if mm-hmm. you're going to do it, you're, you're going to pay attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to pay. Yeah. I don't have time for all that. Well, I'm going to, I'm not, I don't want to be background noise. It takes too much <laughs> effort to create the music. Spend money to yeah. do all these shows and rehearse and do that. No, no more background music. That is my that is my ultimate motto. No more background music. Mm. Nice. Well, I'd love to see, you know, you're talking about these NFTs. I'd love to see something like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Uber or the Airbnb kind of model yeah. where it's the, the user as well as the provider rate each mm. other. Mm. I would love to see something like that for venues and artists. So that, yeah. like, we know what we're walking into, and they also know what they're walking into. Like, if, right. if we're trying to book out with somebody and somebody else is like, this is a great festival band, blah, 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 you know, and just, like, gives a lot of, of feedback, positive, negative, right. in between, it helps inform our next moves and to also lend credibility through other avenues. So, like, that kind of that form the model is working i'd love to see something like that with venues i think that would be cool i think that yeah yeah, that would work um i don't have the energy to make that one of your listeners let's have let's see it (laughs) well we tapped into some stuff we need to see you know i'm gonna start a movement about music just let music be art damn it um you know it's it's just too much. It's just, you know, you know, I personally, I create the music the way that I want to create it. I write it the way that I want. If you like it, you like it. Yep. You don't, you don't, I don't like people telling me what and how to express and there's myself. There's a market for everything. That's right. There's a That's market right. for everything. There are styles of music and, and artists that I don't enjoy listening to. That doesn't right. mean I don't have respect for their art. Exactly. It's just not for you. There is music not, for everything. Like I can go to... I can go to a museum and see fantastic paintings and not want to bring it home and hang it on my wall. That's right. That's right. That's and you fine. That right. And you have that right. I agree with you 100%. Oh, my gosh. We are so in sync. Yeah. We are yeah. so in sync. I think a lot of people are. They just don't have words to put it out there. Like yeah. It's like, oh, I've thought that, but not just like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Ashley... Thank you so much for being on Chatting with Nat. It was my honor to get to know you. No, it's um, been my pleasure. It's been fantastic. This was awesome. Um, you have a great voice, beautiful voice. Thank you. A soulful voice. Thank you. Anybody that's in Nashville, Tennessee, needs to hear you. Go see you perform. I'm sure it's fantastic. And Let's they do need, it. Yeah, they need to stream your music. <laughs> Hell, they need to buy it. There's a thing. Yep. You can still purchase music, people, you know. Purchase yes. her. We actually music. have we have two oh. of our albums on vinyl as well. So we oh, wow. we have all formats. You can stream. We have CDs. We have two vinyl albums, and uh, just a slew of really cool merchandise. And we're we're on sugarlineblue.com. So that's sugar the sweet stuff, lime the citrus fruit, blue the color dot com. That's right, and they're also on Facebook, Sugar Sugarline Blue. YouTube is Sugarline yep. Blue. Instagram is Sugar Lime Blue, and they're on Spotify, Twitter, Sugar Lime Blue. Sugar, sugar, uh-uh. Yeah, Sugar Lime Blue. And if you can't remember yep. that, you just Google, because Google is Google. your friend. I'm just, like, getting a yes. T-shirt. That's, just Google me. I can't tell you how many things. <laughs> just, just Google me, because you'll find me, damn it. You'll find me. <laughs> That's the t-shirt. On the front, it says Google me, and on the back, you'll find me. That's it. Nice. I'm telling you. Thanks again, Ashley. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you.
You're so welcome. All right, everybody, that was chatting with Nat with the awesome Ashley Beth of the Americana Soul Jam Band Sugar Lime Blue. You heard it here. You got to go and support these wonderful artists. And independent artists rule. You just have to realize that and appreciate their creativity. Appreciate our superpower because we are here to bring you joy, laughter, and anything that you need. Until next time on Chatting with Nat. Thank you, Ashley. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Love your voice.